Happy Friday. Welcome here to another edition of Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple are with you here every week as we recap what we've learned, the headlines of the week surrounding what we feel are the biggest topics around Nebraska athletics and really college football and college athletics as a whole. Uh, as we get into headline number one, Sip, I want to go right to the month of May mm-hmm. and, and just the difference we're seeing right now this May compared to last year in May um, when Scott Frost was really still adding starters to his football team in the month of May, whether that was Devin Drew, Stefan Wynn, uh, O'Shawn, O'Shawn. Mathis, um, yeah, Kane Williams late, not, yep. not, not a starter, but adding scholarship bodies yeah. from the portal late in the game where we talked to Matt Rule at the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce luncheon on Wednesday completely different approach. I mean, they could take more guys, but there's really nobody that they see worthwhile to bring into the program right now. Well, things have changed. I mean, one, I mean, come on, let's, let's just be, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Frost was in a little bit of save your job mode. He had a gun to his head almost to try to get it all figured out. And so save your job mode is going to dictate some of that. It's not, not, but I don't want to suggest that Matt rule doesn't feel a sense of urgency because he does feel a sense of urgency for the seniors on the team, which he's alluded to. He thinks that it's a group that's paid a pretty heavy price, that it's that this is a team that can be – what do you say, Sean? That can be relevant now. Um, they have so, a great schedule, too. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not suggesting that Matt Rule doesn't feel urgency, but he doesn't – he's not in save his job mode like Scott was. And so there's a there's a pretty big difference there. But it's a and then wouldn't you say that the December, April dichotomy, how the how the transfer portal is now has changed a little bit too. There's not much available. No, and nobody really knew what to expect. Uh, because I feel like last year there was maybe a little bit more available in the spring. Right. But this year it's a totally different deal. I mean, Casey Thompson and um, you know, Peyton Thorne. I mean, those are some of the big name quarterbacks that went in. Uh, but there just wasn't as much movement. And I, I think players are wisening up now that it's a big gamble. You better have a good option to go in the portal, but you're you're seeing some guys forced in. But I think in a microcosm, the biggest difference between this year and last year is you had Frost scrambling to get, say, Stefan Wynn, Devin Drew to add quality. Oh, Sean. Oh, Sean, to add quality depth. Where on the flip side, you have Matt Rule totally okay in my opinion to kind of part ways with Stefan Wynn and say I would rather play Ruquan Buckley or Brody Tagaloa than giving a six-year senior 100% those snaps and well that's that's the difference of where it's at in a year one versus a year five of Scott Frost true also though what did Matt Rule tell us on Wednesday it was was it Wednesday that we talked to him at the Chamber of Commerce yeah he said he want he doesn't want to build this program through the portal who does but he wants to build it with high school through the high school ranks build it with four-year five-year players right um so that explains some of it but I but also I think the key element in, in this and by the way this is the first year of a December portal period and an April portal period Okay, I think the main thing is there's just not that much in there for you. And if there is something in there, come on, everybody's trying to get them and it's highest bidder type thing. And then it and it's more about, I think probably, Sean, what you say, it's more about 
the top programs got the better chance. Well, and it's NIL too is more structured a year later. Right. A year ago at this time, Nebraska was fairly far ahead of a lot of people in NIL. A lot of other places have caught up. Um, They've caught up. Structured better. Yeah. And so your maintenance of your roster, like these spring meetings when coaches meet with players, you go in a lot more prepared for anything. And your, your NIL element's a huge part of it with, with your program. And, yeah. You know, because, you know, like a guy like Bryce Benhart's an example. You know, he, he, he struggled, but if he would have went in the portal, he, he'd have a high value still to a lot of teams because there just aren't a lot of players like, Bryce. you know, if Bryce Benhart would have went in the portal in April, do you, I mean, you can, people, people will scoff when you say this, but he would have options. Oh God, Sean, he'd have dozens of options, dozens of options. Okay. Cause people would say we, we could coach this guy better and right. get him better. I mean. Yeah. And I think that's the feeling rule will say without saying is that he wasn't developed right. Whatever. I mean, he'd have dozens of options. But, you know, like they feel like they can get this guy better. And that that's an example of, you know, NIL now, you, you make sure you take care of that. You don't, you don't, you can't afford to lose Bryce Benhart right now because you can't find Bryce Benhart. Oh, it's hard to. I and mean, I you, know that sounds odd to people. I know. I don't, I don't even like singling out Benhart. That's an example. Just an, he's just an example. If he went in, he'd be valuable property. Because you, if you found an adequate level of player that could play right away, you're going to have to pay a ton of money to yeah. get that guy. A ton of money. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, listen, for instance, what have we heard about the Michigan State receiver? You've heard through the grapevine. You've heard from good sources what? He was worth, a, he was worth probably a half million dollars. $500,000. I don't mind saying that because we've heard it from good sources. Because he's the top of the, the portal right now. Right. His name was Coleman, I believe. The receiver. He was the leading receiver for Michigan State. I don't mind throwing that number out there because we've heard it from good people. A half million minimum. That's what that's what that he commands right now. Where in like a year ago, look, Stefan Wynn, you mm -hmm. know, like he's he, his value was probably 40000 50000 is what mm -hmm. I was told. Yeah. But because Georgia Tech wanted him really bad and Nebraska wanted him really bad, he turned into like a hundred thousand dollar six player. figure guy, yeah. Six All the, figure but guy. he wasn't, as right. you know. No, no, he he didn't play like that. I mean, nine of his twenty three tackles came in the worst defensive performance in Memorial Stadium history, mm -hmm. the Georgia Southern game. Right. So that just and I don't I know people. Some people are going to wince when we start throwing numbers around, and we're not throwing those around without talking. To no, people. these are <laughs> we're giving you some pretty good information here yeah. on on just some of the things you you hear out there. I want to. Colorado too, because you're all more on Husker Online. You, you talk to um, Brian, Brian Howell, Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera, um, and he said something interesting. I'll just cut right to it. The most interesting thing he said was, you know, one of the things that we ask these beat writers for this these previews we do is what's your expectation. <laughs> Listen to his expectation, Sean. Tell me if this sounds familiar. He said ceiling's probably a bowl game. And the worst I could see is probably four and eight. Well, what's that sound like? Right so, here. Sounds like Nebraska. So he he's not, I mean, he, he's really all in on 40 or 50 new players being able to be blended together. Yeah. If they'll have 50, yeah, they'll have 50 guys in the program that are brand new from the when portal. they start er, in early August. Yeah. Brand new. 50 of their 85. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So the numbers, I don't want to get into the numbers too much because it, it's really kind of hard to figure it all out. But, yeah, they got a ton of new guys. 
obviously everybody knows, but no, I mean, there, he taught Brian Howell again of the Boulder daily camera really likes what they have at quarterback and Shadur Sanders. Um, and then he said they, they're, they're very good at receiver, very good at edge rusher, very good in the secondary offensive line. They only, they return two starters, but then they return a bunch of starters, guys who's from the portal who have started, um, Bottom line, he pres- he he gives you a picture that's not that dire. That I, after talking to Brian for almost an hour, I came away thinking, okay, I think it could be a ball game in Colorado. I, I mean, I don't think this is going to be. Well, this, the atmosphere alone is going to be tough. Oh, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. And if that's a night game, which it could be, uh huh. The the fan base has bought it. If for people here that wonder what it's like. Like, I think there's a lot of skepticism outside the borders. You know, like, what is Dion doing? It's not, I don't, my sense from talking to Brian, it's not like that within the borders. They're they're pumped up. They like what he's doing. Keep in mind, Sean, they were awful. They were awful last year. One and 11, and it was a bad one and 11. One and 11 on it is bad, but it's a bad one and 11. I mean, they were losing by 29 points a game. 29 points a game is what they lost. So they were like Northwestern who beat Nebraska last year. <laughs> worse. No, no, they're way worse than – no, no, no. Hold on, Sean. Colorado was way worse than Northwestern. And Northwestern was 1-11. Right. No, Colorado – Northwestern – No, Northwestern have, lost to Illinois State. Yeah, but no, no. Northwestern was worse than Colorado. I mean, the, the, I think the next highest point differential was 14 a game <laughs> losing. They lost by 29 a game. Okay. Average. Yeah. Average. Average. So the Colorado fans, Sean, they're fine with him blowing it up. They're fine with him blowing it up. And that's a situation where it's justified. Yeah. And I don't want to speak for every Colorado fan, but, but again, this is, this is Brian Howell, who's a 48 year old beat writer who's been covering it for years and years, who said, no, it's the fan base here is pretty bought into Dion. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash Built for us. All right, let's move on. Headline number two, in-state recruiting. Um, a lot of loose ends there, but one did get tied off here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy Rezac, Omaha yes. West Side, identical twin to Anthony Rezac, the quarterback of the state championship warrior football team, announced his commitment to Notre Dame. Um, and this, this is a blow. I mean, Nebraska offered him after Notre Dame. But just the perception, obviously, this is a guy you'd want to keep here um, in the state. But Notre Dame, you know, Al Golden goes in, does his school visit, eyeballs the kid, and is like, whoa. Because he's he's a legit 6'3 and a half, mm-hmm. 185, 190. Mm-hmm. Tons of upside. Runs 4'5". Do they project him as an outside, outside linebacker? Outside linebacker yeah. um, that can run and move. Um, but he was second team all Metro. And, and a lot of that has to do with he was just kind of on a loaded team. I mean, he's the fifth player that Nebraska offered from the 2022 Omaha West side team. That's fifth. amazing. And his brother could easily be an offer level guy too, Anthony. And there's the, look at these twins. I mean, uh, Teddy is on the right. Anthony's on the left. But, yeah. Um, their dad, Dominic, I'm um, sorry. D, or their dad, DJ Rezek, um, you know, 
strong roots to, to they love Nebraska. They they have season tickets in Nebraska. In fact, Lazari's Pizza, which is owned by our good friend Greg List and Seth Reagan, he started that business in Lincoln. So the, he's got deep roots to this community. But Notre Dame just blew their socks off. They went out there for a visit on April 30th, May 1. And they get into town. They go out to dinner with a lot of the coaches, their wives. Mm-hmm. Um, the coaches' kids were there, and it was just them. And the Rezacs are a big family-oriented family. And they just did it right. They 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 won the mom, uh, Lisa Rezac, over right away, um, just with with what they showed them, and then they offered. And I think it all happened so quick, and they were all blown away by just the priority that Notre Dame made them. Yeah, that that was the story. But I think there was also a deadline that he couldn't drag this process off. That Notre Dame offer had an expiration date on it. You think so? I definitely think so. Okay, and, and they had they had to make a decision. So. You know, on the surface, this is a bad one to, to lose for Matt Rule, um, to, to lose a kid from Omaha. But they didn't offer him first for a reason either. They 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 had evaluations on all these guys. So um, it's really tough to be the coach of Nebraska because every – tell me any other state where every in-state guy you're supposed to get, every one of them. Well, I mean, since we're – I don't want to dwell on Colorado – but they don't worry about it at all. With no. Dion, Dion's not offering Colorado kids, Sean. He's not there. Virtually nobody. Gage Ginther was one of them, right? Well, and and then the other guys going to Kansas State from Colorado, the mm-hmm. fullback, tight end kid. That's uh, just an example, but it's our neighboring state. Yeah, you wrote in your column this week. The Rezac family has held ten Husker season tickets for over thirty years. Yeah, I mean they're. I mean they grew up. They're, you know, they, they have another son though, Dominic, who plays at Vanderbilt as a walk on. Uh-huh. Was committed to the Air Force Academy, switched to go to Vandy. Um, Dan Jackson was a big reason why. Um, their their other daughter actually dates Chris Brown's son, who's a mm-hmm. golfer at Creighton. Okay, and I believe she goes to Arizona, University of Arizona. Uh-huh. So they're they're all over their family. I mean, they're Husker. They they grew up in Nebraska, mm-hmm. um, but they're Catholic as well. And I think the Catholic connection um, with Notre Dame hit home. They were really like one of the stories when they went on that trip. The the Keurig coffee machines. Yeah, the guy that invented that is a a professor at Notre Dame. Okay. And they go in and meet with that guy, and he knew everything about them, their whole story, everything. Is that right? And so, I mean, they were just really – I mean, Notre Dame knocked their socks off. I mean, and, and I think at that point, for Nebraska to counterpunch back, it was going to be extremely tough with what Notre Dame did on April 30th of May 1. Yeah, that's a, that's that's interesting, Sean. Um, but, you know, like you said, it is tough here. You're not going to get every guy, I mean, especially right now. Some of, some of that – come on, I mean – it kind of goes without saying, but Nebraska's limited success in recent years catches up. I mean, it does. It's bound to. If Nebraska were coming off of a 10-win season in a prominent bowl game, I mean, stories might be a little different. And in this four-year stretch, it's the record number of Power 5 guys that we've seen in the state. Last year, Nebraska made 13 offers. Rezek was the ninth offer. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah, and you're not going to – I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm – listen – I know this is going to resonate with people. I don't want to be an apologist for the program and these things all the time, but you're not going to get everybody. You're just not going to, you're not going to get every in-state kid. And, and it, I mean, until you start winning at a high level, you shouldn't expect to. Now, with that said, the Bellevue West wide receiver duo, Isaiah McMorris. Right. Devon, and Davion Hall. Devon Hall. Devon. Um, Sorry. Um, no, and he, he told us Davon for years. Davon. But it's Devon. 
Oh, Devon. Yeah, Mike Huffman. <laughs> He's like, I wish Devon would have told us that from his because everyone's been calling him Davon for four years, but it's actually Devon Hall. Devon Hall. Um, they are going to take their official visits to Nebraska the weekend of June 23rd. That is going to be the priority weekend for Nebraska. A lot of smoke out there as well about Dylan Riola that he may take an official visit to Nebraska. And if it's in the month of June, that would probably be the weekend because the weekend before that is the Elite 11 camp in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something to keep your eyes on that hasn't been officially announced by the Riolas yet. Um, but these two Bellevue West wide receivers, Hall and McMorris. Isaiah McMorris. Uh, talking with um, Garrett McGuire, the wide receivers coach of, of Nebraska. I, I didn't talk to Garrett McGuire to clarify that, but uh, Mike Huffman said that Garrett McGuire has really won these guys over mm -hmm. and got Nebraska back in. And I think that's a real promising nugget there. Mm -hmm. I think there are people wondering, like, how is Garrett McGuire? He's done an excellent job with these two guys. They're probably the final two in both. I think with Hall, it's Arkansas and Nebraska are the top two. With okay. Morris, probably USC, Nebraska. Geez, you're battling. I mean, that's a battle. Even Arkansas, people scoff at Arkansas. No, they've gotten pretty good. They've got pretty yeah, they're, good. Yeah, they're an eight to ten win team. Right, right. And USC's USC. I mean, so yeah, that's you're in tough battles. That's but these are the kind of guys you got to get. Yeah, and and you know they're two of the more decorated in-state receivers that we've ever seen in the state. Mm -hmm. um, so then you've got a few other guys. It's going to be interesting just to see how it plays out. Obviously, Ashton Murphy is already committed to Nebraska. Um, the two receivers that I mentioned, um, but you know you got Caleb Benning, um, who, yep. who's had an offer for a long time. I think the question is like, is he really truly being recruited heavily? There hasn't just been there hasn't been a lot of engagement on either side with his recruitment. Um, and I think the big thing for Matt Rule is with all these in-state kids, he'd like to see them work out live. Well, he wants to see some speed. He wants to see the speed number. And so will will they get to see Caleb in camp? Will 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 get that far down the road? I don't know. But that's one, you know, another one. Caleb Pye from Omaha Central, uh, offensive lineman. He's got a Nebraska offer. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they get him in for a June visit as well. Um, and then Eric Ingwerson, Timmy Green and Mikey Green's nephew out of Papillion La Vista, um, the tight end that's committed to Pitt. Yeah, that's one to watch. Okay. Um, I think Nebraska's got a decent chance to flip him. I think he'll visit Nebraska in June if I had a guess today. Then Carter Nelson, um, he's visiting, set up two visits. Mm -hmm. He's got visits to Georgia um, lined up on June 2nd and then Penn State on June 9th. So will Nebraska get him in on that 23rd weekend? And if Raiola comes in that weekend, I mean, that, that would be interesting to see how they kind of puzzle June Ooh, this is getting. Hey, Sean, I mean, man, this is going to get interesting. Holy God. I mean, you, I unloaded a lot there. Oh, boy. I mean, that just the Carter Nelson information alone is fascinating. I mean, you got to go get him over Georgia and Penn State, which Penn State has been churning out 11-win seasons. I mean, they had a bad season a couple of years ago, but they had 11 last year. Um, and they and, and Sean, I'm going to tell you something about Penn State. Watch them. Let me year. correct myself here. Actually, Penn State's not set up yet. Oh. No, it, it's in the works. Notre Dame is the second visit. Well, there you go. So it's Georgia, Notre Dame, Penn State, Penn State. probable. Nebraska, obviously, probable. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you, if there's a dark horse national title program, Penn State's that. I mean, that, that they're loaded up, Sean. So you look at the RPM, it's just it's adjusted to kind of these official visits with Notre Dame and Georgia with these official visits. Okay. Um, and, and that's another program that's really knocked the socks off 
um, the Nelson family. They, they, they had a strong connection at Notre Dame when they were out there as well. Yeah. Um, so they're doing a good job with Marcus Freeman, obviously, in the state of Nebraska. Um, you got to give them a lot of credit for what they've done. Carter Nelson, by the way, did qualify SIP for three events at the state track meet. Um, he will do the pole vault, the high jump, and the discus. And and, and I think he's on a 400-meter relay. Uh, they got beat, though. Oh, they did? They, they didn't make they, – Unless they get in as a wild card, but oh, I thought I uh, thought I read that they're in. No, they're not though. Okay, no, they, they high jump, pole vault, and discus yeah. next week. He went fourteen one in the pole vault, which is his PR. Um, he went 14-1. really. And there's a uh, Jesse Owen, the coach there, um, had a video he posted on Twitter. So it's amazing just to see him get that body over the bar. And Sean, let me correct me if I'm wrong here. He could he could just be a collegiate pole vaulter if he wanted to. I don't know. I mean, not high D1, but yeah, if he really wanted to train and do that. Then his high jump was the first time he high jumped all year. He went 6-1. Okay. And he stopped. So the reason he stopped at 6-1, that was the automatic qualifying mark. Oh, he's gone seven, though. Yeah, yeah. And they, they did not want to push him. They just wanted him to get in the meet. Okay. And I'm sure there's some strategy there by Jake Nelson and, and Carter – don't even don't even put the number out what they think he's gonna do. Okay, and and then he'll he'll be in Omaha on Friday Saturday. Um, I got to go easy on that fourteen to one fourteen one fourteen I'm, one. Is I like, don't know if that would get you college or not, but he's a I'm trying to think. My wife's um, dad was a collegiate champion pole vaulter, and, and he was in the fourteens. Okay, I, maybe five, he was UNK conference champion. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, the technology's advanced a lot further. The fact is, what is he? You can call him six four two six four two fifteen, and he's and he's pole vault at that at that level, and he has been a seven foot high jumper. Okay, so that'll be something to watch. All right, yeah, staying track. on state track, um, I kind of bled in headline number three here. Yeah, bleed it in. Um, we already hit on Carter Nelson, but Husker recruit Jalen Lloyd will be at the state track meet um, trying to win gold and long jump, triple jump, and the 100 meter. I would say long and triple are very likely he wins in those events. Really? 100 meter is going to be tough. Creighton Prep has got some unbelievable runners this year that are putting up elite times, 10-5 level times. Um, Lloyd has not really opened it up in the hundred yet. So I think it's 10, seven, six is his best time this yeah, year. Yeah. And he has not opened it up all the way coming off that injury from football season. Right. So my question would be, will, will he open it up? Does he have it in him to compete with these prep guys? Mm -hmm. Uh, Ethan Basler from Blair, who actually is a really good receiver that trains with Brandon Riley. Mm -hmm. He's running 10 fives as well. Oh boy. Yeah. So th uh, that's class B, but when you talk about that all class right. gold, uh, but, you know, I think the questions with Jalen Lloyd is, can he go 25 feet in a long jump? Okay. Um, he went in the 24s at districts, which was – he was the first jumper in the state to go in the 24s Okay, okay. Rowdy Bauer from Norfolk had been leading the state um, with high 23 marks. How about triple? Triple, you know, 50 is kind of that magical number. Uh, Jeremiah Charles, who's already committed to Nebraska and signed, he's gone 50 this year. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I think when Lloyd is healthy – He's a 50-plus foot guy. Okay. And he just started a month ago in track. Yeah. He, he just started He just started his, let's just call it his season a month ago. It's been a sideways track season for these football players. I mean, you think about Malachi Coleman. The reason he didn't enroll early was around track. We pulled his hammy 
in March. So mm-hmm. he was out for track season. Jalen Lloyd, late to the party. Mm-hmm. Carter Nelson has been kind of on a pitch count trying to get himself back to this point. So like a lot of these headliner guys have not been able to go for various different reasons. There's been a lot of hamstring injuries to high-level athletes in track this year, I've noticed. Um, and it's tough because if you run the 100 and the 200, then you do a relay. You know, that's a lot of events to run in one day. Right. And the other guy, you might – you. I mean, you brought this guy to my attention the other day. Christian Jones is another guy that Nebraska fans might watch. Who's a, He's a 2025 yeah, and he's prospect. qualified as a wild card in the Open 100. Okay, wow. And, and, that, and as you you have said, that he might be your top football recruit in the state Yeah, in 2025. He's a mid-50s, low 50s shot put thrower, a 10-9. Um, it was 10-9-9. I think they rounded up to 11 flat mm-hmm. in the 100. Christian Jones is a name to just to keep an eye on if he's the number one recruit. And then he'll be on the relay team with Jalen Lloyd. Oh, wow. Interesting. And next year, the we're talking about linebacker. Yeah, and then next year, those Rezac twins, um, they play baseball right now. Uh-huh. They may run track next year. Really? Yeah. So it's it, it, West Side's loaded. I mean, they have so many Division One level guys that can play multiple sports yep. at that school. But um, yeah, Christian Jones, probably your top. He is our top guy in the state right now. Consensus number one uh, on the industry comparison numbers. Uh, to keep and you think that's where he'll stay? Yeah. You know who's, who else is a really good runner is Tim Miles' kid. Is that right? Yeah, he's at Lincoln East. Yeah. And he, he's got a chance in the 100, the 200, and the 400. Gabe Miles is his name. Okay. Um, and it's a fun story because, you know, he's Tim Miles isn't coaching Nebraska in a while. His family stayed here. And, right. and that happens a lot. Coaches love Nebraska. They end up staying here. The you, just along those lines, you heard Matt Rule tell that Lincoln Chamber of Commerce event. He wants this. I mean, coaches always say, I want this to be my last stop. He basically said it will be. Like, I, I got the idea of that even if it doesn't work out, because he's got children in that 10 to 13. Same age. as my daughters, 7 and 10. 7 to 10. And then the older son that he wants to stay that this is it he said this is it this will be my last stop so i'm i I read it as even if it doesn't work out he'll stay i mean yeah this is a great place to raise a family this incredibly good place to raise a family all right let's move it on headline number four um some scheduling talk here the big 10 oh yes may eliminate its requirements to schedule a power five non-conference game and you know, I, I don't know like how long that would even take to go into effect because Nebraska's schedule is already really scheduled out through the 30s at this point where they have teams like Arizona. and Here's what they got, Sean. I mean, obviously Colorado. Cincinnati. Um, and then since they're at Cincinnati, and this is scheduled, at Cincinnati in 2025, okay? 2026, Tennessee comes to Lincoln. 2026, Tennessee comes to Lincoln. At 2027, they go to Tennessee. 2028, Arizona. 2029, at Oklahoma. Okay, 2030, OU comes here. And then the return trip to Arizona in 2030. I don't envision Nebraska. They're not going to cancel any of those contracts. I don't think so. I, I I don't think so. It's not – that wouldn't be very Nebraska-ish to do it, no, right? I mean <laughs> – now people are going to throw frost in our face at this point, but um, you know, you know, we all know that story, right? Oh, but no, I mean, rule. What does rule always talk about? Competition, 
we want to be, I mean, it's everything's about competition with that staff. It wouldn't, it would really send a mixed message if we found out, ah, you know what, that Tennessee, that Tennessee home and home is off. Well, that's already been kicked down the road once. Yeah. Cause, um, Tennessee, Nebraska were supposed to, they were supposed to already have played the series. Right. Um, but Tennessee played a game with Virginia Tech and Bristol Motor Speedway. That's right. And that was the same season. So then they punted the Nebraska game that okay. year. The one that intrigues me on the future schedule is Cincinnati because the home and home element of that is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the COVID just- pandemic year was supposed to be when they came to Lincoln. Okay. Um, so, so now it's just at Cincinnati. I've heard rumblings though. Could they, could they rework that down the road and then play a one-off game that year in like Vegas? Cause I know oh boy, there had been discussion about playing like a neutral site game, whether it's now that Matt rules here though, I think they would want, I think Matt rule, if he could pick a neutral site game, Cowboy stadium or Houston, right? Yeah, I suppose. Well, I mean, one of those two places, Just Texas, yeah, um, would be where Matt Rule would probably want to play. Uh-huh. That'd be a little bit more user. Oh, Vegas. What am I saying? You Vegas would be extremely user friendly. Yeah, it would. But anyway, so yeah, the Big Ten may eliminate. I mean, they re- put it in quotes. Since 2016, they've required Big Ten teams to play Power Five schools. Put it in quotes though, because Michigan, it, 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 this will be the second straight year they don't. Um, you you yeah, could like, file well, for exemptions, and teams have obviously done that. But would Nebraska? I don't think so. Then the FCS, they're gonna. You can go back to playing FCS schools too. Well, in some cases, playing a Dakota school makes more sense than playing Bethune Cookman. Yes. Yes. Or, but, or not Bethune, I guess Troy or South Alabama. Yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah. Bethune Cookman's FCA. But yeah, pl- playing North Dakota State would make as much sense as playing Troy, is what you're saying. Yeah. Playing South Dakota State, why not play them if you're going to play? You're talking about preserving, say, the sellout streak. I see what you're saying. Now. Those games actually draw five or 10,000 fans from those fan bases. Right. When they no, come that, that makes sense, Sean. That makes sense. God, you're who, saying no, maybe play an FCS school instead of a group of five. Name a group of five. Kent State. Why play Kent State when you can play North? Well, I mean, North Dakota State's probably tougher than Kent State, right? North Dakota State is playing somebody big coming up. I, I want to say it might be Colorado. Actually, might, they I have a know. game down the road where they're. I mean, they're gonna. <laughs> it's like if you're Fox, like that might be a big noon kickoff game. <laughs> here's a here's a, a, a here's a uh, trivia question for you that is interesting to me. After this year. Notre Dame is apparently playing an FCS team this year. After that happens, there will be one Power 5 program that has never played an FCS team. USC. God, nice job, Clay Helton. Um, Good job, Sean. I know that just because I listen to a lot of Rick Neuheisel on the radio, and he's brought that up before. Really? There's certain – if you're in these pro markets, you really can't play FCS teams. Because you just won't get any eyeballs people People won't come. Right. You know, like Colorado is notoriously overscheduled in the non-conference. They play TCU, like TCU yeah. and Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, they just played TCU last year. You know, the year that they went ten and two and won the Big Twelve and beat Nebraska on Black Friday, sixty-two to thirty-six. That year, they overscheduled the non-con. They played like Fresno State with Derek Carr and Oregon, and I mean, they they played like four of the toughest Power Five level type games in the non-conference that year, mm. um, mainly because. The fan base there, you're competing against the Broncos, the Rockies early. I mean, there's oh, a yeah. lot going on there. 100% Sean. And you can't just – but where Nebraska, I mean, they could put Bethune-Cookman in here and it fills up. It fills up. 
That's right. Or Troy. Uh, yeah. There you go. No, and I think another element to the schedule, though, I want to hit on is is the SEC and what they do. Will will they truly go to nine games? If they somehow stick at eight conference games. Yeah, if they stick at eight conference games, I think that will be what leads the Big Ten to saying we're not playing 10 power five games and you're you know, they want to be on this because you're you're fighting to be a two, three, or even a four bid playoff team league when it goes to twelve. And if you're playing an extra power five game, if you're playing right. ten versus nine, if it's required, it, yeah, they're dropping it. It makes sense. Like you're automatically going from maybe a three bid playoff league to a two bid playoff yeah. league at that point. And, oh, you're one hundred percent. And sure. I think that that's going to be the sticking point. And no, you got it. You nailed it, Sean. That's what it. That's what we're talking about. And it, it, it actually infuriates me that the SEC finds ways not to go to nine. Because so many teams like ride the coattails of Alabama and Georgia, like they're a part of like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But if they played that ninth conference game, they would be six and sixteen. Well, think what Alabama. No, I don't want to go too far down the road of questioning what Alabama does. But the, a lot of those SEC SEC teams look what they do in the month of November. They'll, they will play a, a patty cake FCS game before a rivalry. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you want to let you want the playing. That's to be- bad for the game. To play at that time of the year, yeah. especially, yeah, it's bad for the TV networks. Throwaway game. That's all that. The is. fans don't come. Yeah. Like Alabama has empty seats for those games. Yeah. Like those are the ones that you know they're so good. They're like this is the day I'm going to stay home and right clean the garage. Right. All right. Final headline. Um, let's, let's talk college football playoff. We now know that future playoff structure. Um, the season is going to start a week earlier. Right now, we've been a Labor Day traditional start. Essentially, now the season will start the week before Labor Day now. Um, and then you're still going to have conference title games um, and, and Thanksgiving week football. But then you'll get first-round playoff games on home campus sites that will take place before Christmas. Yeah, like, I mean, we're talking about one Friday night December game December 10th. Yeah, one Friday night game and three Saturdays. Yeah, we're talking about that area, which is in the area of December 10th to 12th. Um, and think about think about what those campus site games could look like. I mean, it would be incredible. Isn't it amazing, though, the power that those New Year's Six Bowls still have over the game? That, you know, in, in, in a perfect world, honestly, you would have campus sites even in the next round, I would say. But be- is that, that's not how it is going to be set up. No, now. no. I mean, the, college football, there was no championship. The bowl games controlled the championship, and they still control this playoff. Right. And to a large extent, the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. Those are kind of the six OGs. Really, the Cotton, the Orange, the Rose, and the Sugar are really the four you know, ones with the most tradition with the Fiesta and the Peach also up in that category. But the, the history and tradition and the power that these bowls have, they're going to lock themselves in as quarterfinal sites, and then they'll get semifinal sites. And the big problem was the Rose Bowl. I mean, the Rose Bowl has that parade. They want that 3.30 January 1 kickoff mm-hmm. or the fourth quarter as the sunset over the San Gabriel Mountains and mm-hmm. everybody can talk and write about it and be flowery about how great it looks. It's awesome. It is beautiful. It's though. beautiful. Yeah. We've seen it once. In our, our Actually, we got to see it twice because we were there for the UCLA game too. We've seen it twice. We were there for UCLA when the, when Bo's team – Kind of blew it out there melted down the defense melted down a little bit and then of course we the 01 yeah but anyway it was gorgeous 
you know what's interesting about this? Okay, so we're talking about the college football playoff right now, Sean, 2025, 2026. Most people, I bet if you ran into, if you went to Super Saver and said, who qualifies for the 12-team playoff that'll in college football in 2025, most, I bet you'd find eight people out of 10 that would say, I have no idea. How, how, who qualifies for that? Well, is it the four highest ranked conference? Six champions? and six. Uh, there's six conference champions, right? And then six at large. At large, yeah. So not, I mean, but most people have no idea, and, and I would say most coaches, a lot of coaches, don't have any idea right now. So what we're talking about is something that is pretty far down the line. It's not really on people's minds. It's another it's, year from now. Yeah, but it's still pretty interesting. Okay, the other thing when you look at these days of the week, I just want to test your knowledge here you look at these campus sites december 19th december 20th friday saturday who's okay. not playing on those days of the week the nfl quarterfinals wednesday oh, thursday yeah. who's yeah. not playing on those days well yeah generally not the nfl thursday you might catch an nfl but on that january one no probably, probably not. not no they schedule around there's, the playoffs. There's, yeah you're right there, there's always been an unwritten rule that as long as january one is not on a sunday right you're the, right the nfl no, gives right. college football that day yeah Thursday and Friday, the 8th and the 9th, no NFL. Yeah. Championship Monday. So this whole puzzle had to be put around the NFL. Sure. Of course it does. You cannot have these no. games going against anything NFL. No. For it to make the money it needs to make. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what this is all about. Right. It's So and I question the travel element of it. Well, well, well enough. And like, let's just say you're, you're Nebraska and you're traveling on the road in the first round. Then you're going to the Orange Bowl. Then you're going to the Fiesta Bowl. Then you got to play in Miami. Oh, it's testing. That's fans. four trips that, you know, if you were a fan that made it from start to finish, you'd be making four high dollar road trips in a month. How many people would be willing to do that time wise and or and or be able to afford it? I mean, hell, we do it for a living and it'd be hard. It'll be very yeah, it'd be taxing. It'd be nice to experience. Well, it, there would be so much attention and excitement you know we, we'd adrenaline have, would take care we'd of have any fatigue you know nebraska was more relevant we we worked with companies that put bull trips together and we'd go with them you know yeah. as part of our agreements and we'd set it this is just like what we had at ireland yeah yeah you make a good point about the fans so not many fans would could pull off all four right? no. how many do you know that could do it you know it'd be hard to do now the odds of there being a team that could win four of these kind of games in a month next to well, nine. I mean, you got first round by teams. That, yeah, like Georgia, like it, you know, Georgia last year in a twelve team playoff wouldn't have to worry about it. Like Georgia there. would be okay. Like if it's Georgia right now, they'd be playing January one in the Sugar Bowl. Then they would go to the Peach Bowl on January 9th. Their fans could drive. Right, that's not a problem. So it's a little different. And then they could almost drive to Miami. Right. Um, but you know, for Nebraska, like if they were ever in any of these games, like the Cotton Bowl would be the most logical one as far as distance that you could actually get to easily. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the Fiesta Bowl makes a lot of sense. But it's it's not easy um, for a lot of these fan bases, especially when the Rose Bowl's involved and you have teams all the way from the East Coast having to play in the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. It's an expensive trip out to California. Right. So, I, I mean, I'm excited about it. My hope, Sip, is that these games will keep players from skipping the bowl games. <laughs> If, if this doesn't work, I don't know what will. But if you're in the like, if right now in the current state of near six bowl games, the top players are not playing. Like Kenneth Walker did not play mm. in the Peach Bowl. Mm. 
Kenny Pickett did not play in the Peach Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, now with this, those teams would be in the playoff, and you the, the hope is they'll play in these games. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna predict either way. I don't so you know. think like if Pittsburgh was like an 11 or 10, they, they would they would have been higher than that. But don't you think Kenny Pickett plays in a playoff game? I'd like to think so. But I, but you know the way the world is now, I don't I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I, yeah, like what I, said, happens I don't know if they're playing Alabama and they're a twenty-four point underdog. Right. That's a good point, Sean. Would that would that draw a guy not to play? Maybe. It's great. That's a great scenario to throw out as far as questioning. That. If Pitt's playing at Alabama, right, or Michigan State's playing at Alabama, does mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett play in that game, or do they say, you know, we're three touchdown dogs? Well, the thing is, in the first round. If Alabama's in the first round, I'll be somewhat surprised. Like as it is now, you got Alabama and Georgia are usually going to get first round buys. Right? No, 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 no. Only one per conference gets a first round. Buy. Okay, um, you can't have two SEC teams get first round. All right, buys. well, we can figure that all that out. But yeah, you, you know, you've hit on a scenario that you maybe that makes me wonder, to be honest. But hopefully, it erases that. Hopefully, because for the integrity and the history of this sport, like you need those players playing in those games. Yes. Yes. You, you I hate think, to even talk about you it. You think about like I was just talking to Tony Davis, former Husker great running back. You know, he was just down in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame uh, event. Uh, he was just attending it. He's a former Cotton Bowl MVP. Okay. There's that kind of history with all these games. Uh-huh. Well, Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker will never be a part of something like that because they didn't play in the game. I mean, so like, you know, the game has changed a lot, but there's history to it with these bowl 100%. games. 100%. I, I, I regard that conversation with a degree of sadness, Sean, the way you just put it. But there are younger people, guys that you work with on your other job and places that say, I don't give a crap. No, they don't care. Who cares? Right. You know, and they don't, they don't want history to them is nothing. That's true. That's a good point. But if you've been able to see and the things we've done over our careers and been to these places, you have a much deeper appreciation and respect. I have. A deep yes, I am a, a, of the yes, like the orange bowls you've covered, right? The rose, bowl. I mean, it's all very meaningful. Like, that history is extremely meaningful to, I'd say, most Nebraska fans. Like, imagine but you got to almost qualify it, Sean. You got to say of a certain age. I mean, I, I don't know how important it is to a twenty-something. I don't. What life's changed? Maybe you've noticed, Sean. <laughs> all right, on that sad, depressing, get off my yeah, lawn but, note. Yeah. Well, I mean. I don't know. Make sure you're on Husker Online. We'll have coverage all weekend of Nebraska Penn State baseball. Uh, lots going on. Uh, recruiting is is starting to pick up as well. Um, and we got a great deal right now. Six months of access for $29.99 at HuskerOnline.com. Also, like and follow us here on YouTube or find us anywhere that you can find podcasts by simply typing in Husker Online. For Steve Sippel, I'm Sean Catlan. Have a great weekend, everybody.